welcome to this 75th episode of Perception is Reality. I am your host, Christopher H. Bilbury, and I want to apologize for that noise you're hearing in the background. I am currently coming to you from 2,000 feet below sea level in the USS Monty, a nuclear submarine in the United States Naval Fleet. I am down here due to the coronavirus that seems to be spreading wildly out of control or the fact that I might suffer from hypochondriasis. Due to one or both of those horrible circumstances, I am away from the studio at this time, but I did not want to miss this chance to come to you during this 75th episode. I will be down here until the coronavirus has ran its course or a cure has been found. The coronavirus is... Wait, what? The coronavirus is just a distraction while something else is going on behind the scenes. What do you mean? Ebola? The bird flu? Swine flu? What? Get me out of here. Let's start the show. Perception. Perception is reality. Reality. Perception is reality. Reality. Some talk shows think all of their opinions are right. This one one knows they are. This is Perception is Reality. Christopher H. Bilbury is a no-nonsense, well, maybe a little bit of nonsense, political activist, local government watchdog, and all-around good Hoosier and God-fearing American citizen. Is this guy for real? Holding lawmakers accountable and educating citizens on the importance of participating in their local government with a dab of national and world politics and a little pop culture and maybe some real-life common sense. This is, is Perception is Reality. And this is Christopher H. Bilbury. That's right, Monty. Thank you for that wonderful introduction. And welcome, everyone, to this 75th episode of the podcast. Whenever you're listening and wherever you're listening, I want to say thank you for giving me a little bit of your time And remember to help us out by spreading the podcast by word of mouth and social media to your family, friends, co-workers, and everyone else you know. Remember to tell them they can find the podcast at all major podcast hosting sites, as well as the home link of perception.fireside.fm. All right. Well, okay. I hope you're doing fine, and I am so happy that you have decided to join me for this big 75th episode, the big 075. That means we're 25 episodes away from the big 100. Can you believe it? I certainly cannot. And we're coming up on our one-year anniversary. That's right, folks. May 4th. We will have been doing this in this studio, Ink Barrel Studios, for one full year. Now, I've been doing a podcast in some form or another for going on uh, just at three years now, but this format, we will be celebrating our one-year anniversary, and we will be doing some exciting stuff, more on that in the weeks and months to come. 
So, yeah, is uh, everybody out there? Are you uh, there? Has the coronavirus gotten you? You know, I said that I wasn't going to get weirded out about this until it got to Indiana. And literally, as soon as I said that, I flipped on WTHR Channel 13 News out of Indianapolis, Indiana, and sure as shit, that damn coronavirus has made it to Porter County, Indiana. I mean, how does that happen? How does somebody get infected with this damn virus in Wu-Tang Clan, China, and then get on an airplane and get themselves back to the United States and then find themselves driving through Porter County, Indiana, on their way, I believe, to somehow infect me. How does this happen? How does somebody who's been in China travel through Porter County? The chances of that happening have to be less than being struck by lightning while being bitten by a shark. And that, my friends, is why I'm absolutely freaking scared out of my mind about this coronavirus. Each and every one of these crazy-ass diseases that occurs each and every year, like in quarters now, it used to happen just in the winter. Starting about November, they would be like, oh, watch out for the flu. The flu's killing like 40 million people this year, and you're going to be one of them. And I'm just like, wait a minute. When did we go back into the 1700s where the flu ends up killing humans like it does? Not to mention all of this man-made weirdness like the animal-human hybrid pig-man from China diseases that we get. When I was growing up in the 80s, I don't recall the flu killing people the way that it does now. And now it kills like between 12 and 60 some thousand people in the United States alone. And that doesn't even mention these crazy, special, man-made, super biological chemical warfare bugs like the coronavirus and the swine flu and Ebola and uh, all of that crap. And we got people telling us, oh, it's nothing to worry about. At the same time, they're saying, well, take precaution. We've got people screaming that it's a pandemic. We've got the people saying that they're whistleblowers from China and that this has killed whole villages and that they're building hospitals in 10 days. Wait a minute. I've oftentimes wondered how many people it would take to build a home in one day like is it possible would it get to the point where it would take so many people that everybody would just be in each other's way so therefore it wouldn't be possible or would it be possible and i guess china is answering the question we can build a whole hospital in 10 days 
and hearing that they're building hospitals in 10 days leads me to believe that this is a problem and that I should start hyperventilating just about any moment now. But then, then we hear, oh no, 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 this is nothing. So then that leads me to start to wonder just what kind of crazy brainwashing weirdness are they trying to pull on us and what exactly is going on behind the scenes what is this scare supposed to be keeping our minds off of you know that always pops into play i'm not a conspiracy theorist in so much that i don't run around going crazy But you oftentimes have to ask yourself, once you look back, like, remember when Ebola was going to get us? And then just nothing, and you never hear anything about it anymore, and and everything was okay. And then the swine flu was going to get us, and the bird flu was going to get us, and then the bird swine flu was going to get us, and then the swine bird flu, and then the swine bird flu swine flu was going to get us. You know, it reminds me of that song. It goes, I have a swine, I have a bird, a swine bird. I have a swine. I have a bird swine. I have a bird swine. Bird swine. Swine bird. Bird swine. Swine bird flu. I have a pin. I have an apple. Ah, apple pin. I have a pin. I have a pineapple, a pineapple pin, apple pin, pineapple pin. I have a pin, pineapple, pineapple pin, apple pin. Oh God, delirium. I think I have the coronavirus. Oh my God. (laughs) All right, so let's get serious here. We're getting ready to take a quick break. And on the other side of that break, we're going to come back talking about how citizens in their communities have to have confidence in the folks that are representing them, whether that is elected officials or appointed officials or employed officials for the government. And we're going to talk about an example in Indiana, in Muncie, where we have a board of three appointed commissioners to a sanitary district that are just absolutely out of control, running wild, and how that can not only affect how the citizens see them, but see the rest of the government around them and what I believe needs to happen to remedy that. You're listening to the 75th episode of Perception is Reality. I'm Christopher H. Bilbury, and we'll be right back. When you adopt a shelter pet, you discover their unique mix of all kinds of traits. Where'd Wiley go? Where's Wiley? Ah, there she is. Paw? Do you remember being an ancient wolf? Do you ever feel the call of the wild? You're a renegade cop, and I'm a con woman with nothing to prove. But together, we could really solve this murder. They're a little bit of a lot of things, but all of them are pure love. Visit theshelterproject.org. Hashtag adopt pure love. Perception. 
Perception, Perception is, is reality. Reality. Welcome back to this 75th episode of Perception is Reality. I am your host, Christopher H. Bilbrey, and I want to thank you for still being with us. I want to give a shout out real quick in the producer's chairs are Kate and Niles, along with the always mysterious Monty. Thank you, Monty, for being here. I want to go ahead and get into the thick of what we're discussing here and say that depending on when you're listening to this, we're in the last week of January. This is actually being recorded during the last week of January 2020. So for those of you that are listening close to the recording date, that's basically where we are, which means for your officials and my officials and officials all in between, they should at this point start to have a pretty good understanding of what their day-to-day looks like. I understand that they're still new in their capacities and, you know, there's still a lot of time left even in the first year, not to mention the full term, but they should have a pretty good understanding of the day-to-day, what they're expected to do, what they'll be faced with on any given day of the week. They should start to have a pretty good understanding of that. Their department heads should be chugging along, doing just fine. And, you know, for most of these people in cities, towns, and counties, the department heads should already be appointed and should be doing the work of the people. Now, like, for example, in Winchester, Indiana, I was a little concerned because I didn't really know what to make of the mayor coming in, Bob McCoy. I was concerned, honestly, for several reasons, but one of them being because he didn't change any of the department heads. He left the department heads in place that his predecessor had picked, and I was a little concerned. However, I attended the most recent Winchester City Council meeting, and they were all working well together. The mayor, the council, the department heads, the city clerk, and more importantly those officials and the citizens there. They let us speak. They heard our opinions. We were able to have some back and forth discussion and it was no type of animosity or anger or disgust, which we, the citizens, have been used to seeing from our officials because, in my opinion, that's how the last mayor liked it. I think, I mean, this last meeting shows that he was the one that was causing all of the turmoil and making it so tumultuous. It was just, it was really crazy to see the shift and how well everything's run. So I have some hope there that Winchester is going to start turning around. Moving over to Muncie, I really feel like Muncie's going to start doing a little bit better. I feel like the people are really standing around Mayor Dan Ridenour and his team. There are still several, several questions. I have issued a handful of records requests that I have still not heard really anything on. I'm starting to be a little concerned about that. And there are still questions in place. However, on the day-to-day, 
I think things might start to smooth out and we might start to see good things start to come through and start to happen. And like I was just saying about the department heads in Winchester, in Muncie, the current mayor, Dan Reidenauer, had changed most of the department heads and most of his appointments for boards, commissions, and the department heads have been named and everybody's pretty much in place. However, there is still a holdover from the prior administration and it is a thorn in Dan Reidenauer, the mayor's side, along with it is a sense of contentious feelings between a lot of citizens and the city of Muncie. And that's the Muncie Sanitary District and the Muncie Sanitary District Board. It's a kind of a strange entity, and it's very convoluted. The Muncie Sanitary District is a special unit of government that was created under Indiana state law by the action of an ordinance of the city of Muncie. Adopted in 1968, the district is managed under the provisions of Indiana Code 36.925 and is governed by a three-person board of sanitary commissioners which acts both as the executive body and the fiscal body of the Muncie Sanitary District. So now, let's break that down real quick and talk about what that means. What that means is this board of three commissioners, which are in place, they act as the executive, which in the city of Muncie, the mayor is the executive, or in the county government, the commissioners are the executive, Plus, they act like the fiscal body, which is the council. So like in the city of Muncie, it's the city council, and in Delaware County and other counties, it's the county council. So this three-member board of sanitary commissioners act as the executive body and the fiscal body. And these three commissioners are mayoral appointments, but they're not like other appointments that the mayor makes, such as department heads or boards or commissions. Because unlike other department heads or other mayoral appointments that can just be replaced at any time the mayor says so, these board of sanitary district commissioners serve set terms. So when the mayor appoints a person to this sanitary district board, they will be there until their term expires, even if their term bleeds into another mayor's term in office. And that's basically what's happened here, because this, by statute, was set to stagger so the mayor makes these appointments during the second year of any term in office. So Ridenauer technically would not get to appoint his appointments to this board until 2021. And the issue with that is Mayor Ridenauer, along with a lot of others in the community, are taking exception with things that have happened under the leadership and direction of this current 
Muncie Sanitary District Board of Commissioners. And what are these issues that Mayor Reidenauer and others have? We'll get into that in just a moment. But first, let's talk about who the Muncie Sanitary District Board of Commissioners are. You have Bill Smith, Joe Evans, and Mike Klein. And Bill Smith is and has been the president of the Board of Sanitary District Commissioners. They all three work for and with the Muncie Sanitary District, and Bill Smith is the current acting Muncie Sanitary District Administrator. He took over for a woman, Nikki Grigsby, who is also at the base of a lot of these issues. She was arrested and indicted by the FBI as part of this federal investigation that has been ongoing into the Muncie Muncie City government, political figures, and business leaders in and around the government as it relates to corruption. And part of the issue, and a good majority of the issue, that citizens and that Mayor Ridenauer has with the Muncie Sanitary District stem from Nikki Grigsby's actions and Bill Smith's actions with and without Nikki Grigsby. So what is the job of the Muncie Sanitary District and its board? The district has the power to enact ordinances which provide the rules and procedures that the district follows in providing services to the public that is served by the district. The district also establishes user fees for the services that it provides and sets a tax levy to pay for some of the duties the district is required by law to perform, such as upkeep on sanitary sewers and storm sewers in the district. The Muncie Sanitary District also has other responsibilities and jobs, such as sanitation, trash, the city dump, water quality testing, waste water treatment plant, and sewage treatment, sewer maintenance, engineering and inspecting, and billing. So besides the board that I named through just a moment ago, there are several employees at the Muncie Sanitary District that are led by a district administrator. And for quite some time, the district administrator has been Nikki Grigsby. For those of you playing along at home that are familiar with the situation, and for those that aren't familiar, Nikki Grigsby, Muncie Sanitary District Administrator, was arrested on Tuesday, July 16th, 2019, by the FBI. She was indicted on charges of conspiracy to commit wire fraud, wire fraud, making false statements, and falsification of documents in a federal investigation. She and another gentleman, Tony Franklin, who is the owner of Franklin Building and Design LLC, a businessman, were both indicted on Tuesday, July 16th, 2019. And they are just two of several other officials within the Muncie City government, now including the mayor of the city, Dennis Tyler, whose term ended December 31st, 2019, that have been indicted by the FBI. And the FBI investigation, which we have talked about in many episodes, continues on. And it's pretty common rumor, it's pretty common gossip understanding, innuendo, 
that the FBI is still looking into employees at the Muncie Sanitary District, including, quite possibly, any one, two, or three of the Muncie Sanitary District Board commissioners that I named. Besides that, there are several other issues that citizens of the city of Muncie have with these three Muncie Sanitary District Board commissioners and employees. And now, real quick, before you start to get thinking wrong, a lot of people say, well, why doesn't Dan, the current mayor, just name new Muncie Sanitary District Board commissioners? And you're right, the mayor does get to name the people who sit on that board. However, they're different than other department heads or other members of boards and commissions. First off, the commissioners on the Muncie Sanitary District Board does not serve at the pleasure of the mayor, similar to how other department heads or board members or commission members serve. When a mayor appoints a commissioner to the Muncie Sanitary District Board, that appointment gets to serve a set four-year term, and they have it set up to where the terms are staggered in an attempt to try and make the board non-political. The other way that's done is if you have a three-member board, the mayor is only allowed to appoint to up to two members of his or her political party and at least one member of the opposite political party. So there are little things in place to try to stop it from being so political, but in Muncie, that doesn't seem to have helped. And so what we have here is Mayor Reidenauer and his administration and the citizens of Muncie basically being held hostage by three board members, Bill Smith, Joe Evans, and Mike Klein. And these three board members have been running wild. They've been running the Muncie Sanitary District the way that they see fit that betters them, that doesn't better serve the citizens who they're supposed to be working for. And the mayor and his staff and his administration and the attorneys for the mayor have been trying to find out a way to take back control of this board. One of the things that the mayor can do is if the mayor appoints a city engineer to work for the city government, that city engineer, by state statute, gets a seat on the sanitary district board. So because of that, the city engineer that Mayor Reidenauer has appointed with Mayor Reidenauer and his administration's blessing and backing has filed a lawsuit against the three members of the Muncie Sanitary District Board saying that they have not vacated the seat to give the city engineer, Brian Stevens Hodup, a seat on the sanitary district. See, back in the beginning of January, they issued a letter stating that Mike Klein, who was originally on the Muncie Sanitary District Board as an engineer, had served his time because the new mayor has hired a new city engineer. 
Well, the three members on the Muncie Sanitary District Board has said, "Uh uh-uh, that doesn't fly. That's not what we're doing, and we're not giving the seat up. So earlier in this week, we were notified that the current city engineer hired by Dan Ridenauer, along with the city and their blessing, has filed this lawsuit to go through a Delaware County Circuit Court in an attempt to remove one of these people on this sanitary district board. And I don't think that's the right proper step. My concern is, if you read this statute, okay, and it's set up by Indiana Code, and the Indiana Code is 36-9-25, so it goes through and it gives you past the 36.925, then it goes dash 1, dash 2, dash 3, dash 4, dash 5. If you read through it, it tells you how the board was set up and it tells you what the purpose of the board is, who's to sit on it, and what the rules are. And it's Indiana Code 36-9-25-3 that the city engineer, along with the mayor's blessing, has filed the lawsuit under and what the city engineer is alleging. However, I don't know that that's exactly correct. I'm afraid that this is a little out of order. If you go down two more code numbers to 36-9-25-5, it says Commissioner's Removal from Office and Appeals. And it says Section 5A, A commissioner may not be removed from office except under charges preferred before the municipal executive and a hearing held on them. The only permissible reasons for removal are neglect of duty and incompetence. The commissioner must be given at least 10 days notice of the time and place of the hearing and the opportunity to produce evidence and examine and cross-examine witnesses. All testimony shall be given under oath, and the municipal executive shall put his findings in writing and file them with the municipal clerk. It then lists subsection B. If the charges are sustained and the commissioner removed, he may appeal the finding within 10 days after the date they are filed with the clerk to the circuit or superior court of the county in which the municipality is located. The commissioner shall file an original complaint against the executive stating the charges preferred and the findings made. The court shall hear the appeal within 30 days after it's filed without a jury and shall either ratify or reverse the findings of the executive. The judgment of the court is final and an appeal may not be taken. So let's break this legalese down. The lawsuit that they currently have filed is wanting the judge to remove one of these three board members, Bill Smith, Joe Evans, or Mike Klein. My worry is the judge is going to read all of these codes, and the judge is going to read 36-9-25-5, and clear as day it says a commissioner may not be removed from office except under charges preferred before the municipal executive and a hearing held on them. So the judge is going to say, wait a minute, this is not that. And my fear is 
that the judge will deny the city engineer and thus the city of Muncie's wish here and the lawsuit will be over. What should happen here, in my opinion, and I've talked to a couple other folks, a couple other elected officials, one being a mayor, one being an attorney, and so I'm really concerned here that we're not taking this first step, and that first step would be simply to this. The commissioner may not be removed from office, okay, we get that, except under charges preferred before the municipal executive and a hearing held on them. So what this is saying with the mayor Reidenauer being the municipal executive that he, his staff, his administration, the city attorneys, must issue a letter for at least 10 days prior to a hearing to the three members of the board. And I think, reading this code, the city could give this to all three board members and say, we're going to have a hearing on all three of you. We believe that you have all neglected your duty and you have all been incompetent as board members. So at the hearing, which is 10 days after the letter, the chief municipal executive, being the mayor, would be the one to hear the case. And his staff, I don't know who, maybe the city attorney, maybe the city engineer, would present to him and to those in attendance their case of why these three board members should be removed. Those three board members and their attorney would be allowed to examine the evidence, cross-examine any witnesses, and would be allowed to put on their case. And then at the end of that hearing, the municipal executive, which again is the mayor, will be allowed to write up the findings of how he sees this hearing going and file that with the municipal court clerk. It says that straight in this IC code. Black and white, easy as pie, it's right there. And so basically, you know, it doesn't sound very fair because it could just go the way Mayor Reidenauer wanted it. They could get them all three up there and say, hey, these three board members absolutely have been neglectful of duty and incompetent. Here is our reasons why. And there are plenty of reasons that they could list. And then the three board members, along with their legal representation, could again examine any evidence and put their case on. But then at the end of the day, as laid out here in 36.925.5, this is all done under oath. But at the end of the day, it's the mayor that makes the actual ruling on this hearing. And so after everything is presented, both sides, the mayor can easily put his findings in writing to give them and file them with the municipal clerk, stating that these three members of the Muncie Sanitary District Board have been found to be neglectful of duty and incompetent, and thus it's my decision that they are removed. And bam, there you go. Now, those three members would appeal that and take it before the circuit or superior court. In Delaware County, there's only circuit courts, and so it would be appealed 
But if they go through this step, the judge would have to find in favor of the city during that appeal. And once that decision is made, it clearly states the judgment of the court is final and an appeal at that point may not be taken. And so I believe that's the proper step. And I believe that's what Ridenauer should take. I understand the point of trying to take them through the lawsuit first. We just successfully did that with John Hampton, a city council member that shouldn't have been a city council member that was filled in there. You'll all remember that. If you don't, go back and listen to those episodes. But we successfully got a judge to rule that he should not have been sitting on the board. That being said, this is not the same situation. And it spells it out real clear here in black and white. And my issue here is, and my my concern is, that these three... Muncie Sanitary District Board Commissioners, Bill Smith, Joe Evans, and Mike Klein, they don't enjoy the confidence of anyone in the community that they are supposed to be serving. No one in the city of Muncie thinks that these three gentlemen are doing a good job. Nobody wants them representing the Muncie Sanitary District Board. We've just sat through two meetings in the last 30 days that have not ran the way that meetings are supposed to be ran. The first meeting that they ran, which was two weeks ago, only lasted for six minutes. And at that point, at the end of the meeting, they adjourned the meeting without properly adjourning the meeting, which technically means that meeting is just still ongoing. It was never voted on, and a proper adjournment never occurred. Jump forward two weeks to this most recent meeting, and this meeting lasted about eight minutes, and it was another sham of a meeting. Between this meeting and the last meeting, they have only totaled roughly about 14 minutes, which is not hardly enough time to conduct the business that they need to conduct. And during that time, before they've allowed anyone to speak, and what has actually happened is by the time they get to the point where people would speak, they then shut the meeting down so no one gets a right to speak but before they get to that point they have paid the claims and in both of these meetings for the entire month of january that's only lasted about 14 minutes both of them they've paid claims to the total of nearly seven million dollars without allowing citizens to question them on what this money's going for who this money went to and finding out any information that would normally be found out in a muncie sanitary district board meeting so there's a lot of question here there's a lot of concern there are a lot of issues this right here if you don't look at anything else seems neglectful and seems to be incompetent and they're closing the meetings without taking proper votes and nobody Nobody out there, no citizens of Muncie, the mayor of Muncie, his administration, no one has any confidence or any respect for these three gentlemen that currently sit on the Muncie Sanitary District Board. And so there are currently two different ways to look at how Mayor Ridenauer and his administration or anyone would go about attempting to get control of this Muncie Sanitary District Board. 
The first way is the way that the city engineer and the city of Muncie is trying to go about doing it. That's under Indiana Code 36-9-25-3. And that just kind of sets up how the MSD board should be set up, who should be on it. And it lays out there the fact that Brian Stevens Hotup is the city engineer, that he should automatically take the place of one of the MSD board members. And so they are forcing a lawsuit for a judge to make an opinion. I think, and I'm not an attorney, but I think the way I read this is when the judge reads these statutes that he's going to say, well, under 5, it clearly says that a commissioner may not be removed from office except da-da-da-da-da. So the other way to go about this is under 36-9-25-5, which is what I've read to you here and how I say that it should be handled. And the problem with this, I see, is they're going to take this lawsuit before the circuit court judge. That circuit court judge is going to read all of these Indiana Code statutes, they're going to get down to 36.9.25.5 and read, an MSD commissioner may not be removed from office except upon blah, 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 and they're going to find in favor of MSD. And at that point, I believe Dan Ridenour's administration is going to take a little bit of a hit. Yes, they can always come back at that point and consider doing it the way that I'm saying, but then what they've got to do is they have the failed attempt on their scorecard. They then issue the letter. They'll have the hearing. They'll rule that this gentleman or all three of them should be removed. They'll make that finding. Then that one board member or the three of them will appeal it, take it back before circuit court, and then at that time, who knows what will happen, they should uphold Reinauer's findings. But you've got to go through all of this when it would be so much easier to just do this the first time if it's going to end up in court. You want it to end up in court the right way, and you want it to end up in court the way that you're going to get the ruling in your favor. And my concern here is this, that these three board members have to go. Everybody agrees. One of them, two of them, three of them, they need to go. Dan Ridenour, the mayor of Muncie, needs to be able to appoint the three board members that he wants to appoint here, and he needs to be able to have a board that he can work with. Now, I've heard back before he took office, back in December and then through this last month, what he's attempted to do here is remove one of these Muncie Sanitary District board members put on the city engineer, and then he's wanted the Muncie City Council to vote to add two more members to the board, taking it from a three-person board to a five-person board. And that essentially would give Ridenour the control, putting his city engineer on, and then being able for Ridenour to be able to appoint two more people. That would be two current 
MSD board members on there, and three Ridenour appointments. And so he would hold the votes, essentially. But you don't have to do that as long as you go through the way that has been set up to handle this. And this then speaks back to the whole issue. And I'm going to take some heat for saying this, but this is just how I see it, and this is how citizens are seeing it. And it's what I'm hearing when I'm talking to folks in and around Muncie. Their concern is... The reason this isn't being handled by going through 36.9.25.5 is because in that scenario, it puts all the heavy lifting in Mayor Ridenour's hands. It puts the ball in his court, it puts the action at his feet, and he has to do the quote-unquote dirty work. And people feel that he's so much of a nice guy, too nice, that he doesn't want to do it. It harkens back to the John Hampton situation, where had Ridenour acted as a city councilor back in November, they could have at least shown where people stood on that. And had they not had the votes to remove Hampton, we would have known, okay, Ridenour doesn't believe that this is right, Polk votes to not believe this is right, and this person or that person, it could have died leaving Hampton on the court, and we could have still filed the suit, done what we did, and had him removed because that's the right thing, but at least we would have known where everybody fell. And you've got Ridenour telling me and others that he's going to act if this person doesn't act, or he's going to act if that person doesn't act, but then action never really came. And so that made... And I, I'm, this is where I'm going to get the heat. That made Dan look a little weak when it comes to controversies. And so this is another situation where if they would go in and implement 36.9.25.5, Dan could be the one to hear this situation and he could find and remove all three board members. Then they would appeal it, they would go to court, in circuit court, but it would be the Muncie Sanitary District people taking it to court because of the appeal, and at that point the judge would rule in favor of the city, and Dan could appoint three members that would have a four-year term. However, that puts a lot of work and a lot of dirty work, you know, having to get down in the mud and the muck and get, you know, tough and do it. And there is question about whether or not Dan Ridenour is the tough mayor that we need. He's a good guy. I love Dan. Dan is a nice person to be around, a wonderful person to be around, a good Christian man. He, he loves Muncie. He wants to do what's right for Muncie. But sometimes you need the person to stand up and say, you know what? You guys are assholes, and I'm going to take care of business. And I need to know, and there are citizens that need to know that the leader of the city can do that. And I don't know, and I'm worried that Dan might not be the person to do that. And if he's not, then he needs to surround himself with people that can lift him up and push him up to make him to do that. 
And so far, I'm not seeing that. And one more push in that direction, letting me know that that might be the reality, that I, how I'm seeing it is, is how it is, and that in this situation, perception is reality, is this action that they are taking, instead of doing 36, 9, 25, 5, they're going 36, 9, 25, 3, going through the lawsuit, and I don't think that's going to come out in their favor. And if it does, it will be a miracle. And if it doesn't, it will be a black mark against this administration. And I think that the folks of the city of Muncie, we don't want to see that. And they don't want to see that. And you guys can't see that. We need this mayor to stand up and say, okay, we're going to do what's right because that's what's right. And what's right is what's right. And what's wrong is wrong. And we ran on transparency, accountability, and doing things the right way. And the reason we need to see that is because so much has been so wrong for so long that we need a change. But in this new administration, there's still so much that seems gray and seems to be a little off. And I guess only time will tell. But we're banking on the fact that things are going to be better with this new administration. And I guess only time will tell. You're listening to Perception is Reality. I'm Christopher H. Bilbrey, and we'll be right back. Perception. Perception is reality. Reality. Perception is reality. Reality. All right, folks, that's going to do it for episode 75 of Perception is Reality. Beware of the coronavirus. I got to make sure it does not get me. That's the number one thing. I hope it doesn't get you, too. Be sure to share this episode and all episodes, perception.fireside.fm, as well as all major podcast hosting sites. And then beyond that, the only thing I can say is do yourself and your community a favor by getting active and getting involved. Remember, education and action are the keys. Until next time, be safe, God bless, and we'll talk to you again real soon. You've been listening to Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey. Bilbrey. Tune in, like, and subscribe at perception.fireside.fm. Hook up on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Bilbrey318 and on Twitter at PISRBilbrey. Email khbilbrey at gmail.com or get off your butt and call the show at 765 546 9796. Till next time, remember, perception, perception is, is reality. Reality. This has been Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey, where we aim for better government through citizen involvement.